Here it is! From deep inside your audio device of choice. Well, ladies and gentlemen, after the period of holiday joy, it's time to return to the brain fog of the past 12 months. 2021, the year in rebuke. Direct from the virtual trading floor of Corium Salcomalava, this is Mind Your Own Business. I'm Mike Tuccinello on the virtual trading floor. This week continued the year's up and down carnival ride with the so-called cryptocurrencies. And that adventure sparked rumors that an unnamed but notorious digital entrepreneur is getting ready to introduce yet another take on the digital currency trend that has so many slightly less than savvy investors entranced. Fresh from his own all-too-short romance with Bitcoin, this self-proclaimed monarch of the digital arts is planning the introduction of Flipcoin, a digital currency which deliberately accentuates its own volatility. According to reports, no more nor less reliable than the others, Flipcoin will be based on an algorithm which daily injects an engineered rally on the upside or plunge on the downside, just for the fun of it. But based on this entrepreneur's history of ambitious plans, the savvy investor may take greater profits by speculating on whether this one ever really happens. As politics grows ever more technological, the role of technology becomes more political. And as Sylvia Meal Argent at our Money Honey Desk reports, that trend is leading to a lucrative new startup niche. Sylvia? Thanks, Mike. Arizona's doing it. George is thinking about it. It is recounts on part or all of the state's vote in last year's presidential election. Other states with Republican governors are considering similar moves. And that gave serial startup starter Danny Glomar an idea. A big one. The team doing the uh, Arizona audit uh, the Cyber Ninjas, was basically a startup with no experience in counting votes or any procedures involved in election integrity. I thought to myself, I can do that, and I could do it better. Figuring the demand for inexperienced election auditors would soon exceed the supply, Danny Glomar moved fast, and so far, he didn't break anything. First thing, we got Recount.com, which was super big. Two days after we swooped in, we're getting offers for the domain name in the mid-seven figures. I mean, epic, from the jump. Then we put in tentative bids in ten states with Republican governors. Just paper bids with nothing behind them. At the time, I was the company's only employee. But we put scale-up numbers in the bids, so you know, we weren't trying to fool anybody. And third, we actually finally went out and hired some employees. Bookkeepers, restaurant cashiers, lower-level blackjack dealers. You know, people with... Numerical literacy. Our internal slogan for recruitment was, if you can count, you can recount. Some of the states that received Glomar's bids said that was what made them consider private recounts in the first place. Talk about market development. And, according to Danny Glomar, his startup success has actually encouraged would-be competitors. Recount puppy, the masked recounters, recounts are us. It's like there's a new one every couple of days. But in a field where expertise where experience isn't really required, we think first-mover advantage is the key to survival, and even success. With the current political polarization, Danny Glomar sees the 2020 election as just the beginning, which is why he's just invested in an actual office. 
From the Money Honey Desk, I'm Sylvia Mealargent. And for today, that's all from the trading floor. Till next time, I'm Mike Duccinello saying this week, mind the business of someone you love. So long. And somewhere, many wearers across the United States, to this moment, to this very moment in which I'm saying to you, hello, I'm Harry Shearer. Welcome to this edition of the show. There are still attempts being made to organize amateur recounts of the 2020 presidential votes in several states. So uh, it's a story we'll keep on top of, hoping to smother it to death in 2022. This is the year in rebuke part two, catching up on the rest of 2021. And um, one of the major features of this year has been the series of attempts by the former guy, the one-time president, to regain his hold on the nation's attention. Um, that attempt had to begin after Twitter and Facebook said, get out of here. And it uh, continues to this day. Live on digital tape from Mar-a-Lago, Florida, is the Donald J. Trump podcast. And now, direct from the Crown Room, here's your host, Donald Trump. Yeah, it's not from the desk. It's uh, straight from the horse's mouth. Yeah, it's your favorite president. And uh, thanks to my co-host, uh, Melania, for the absolutely fantastic introduction. Well, thank you. Just the very, very best. You could get a little closer to your mic. That wouldn't hurt the show one little bit. I'm fine over here. That's what Don Jr. said. He was the original co-host. Then he wanted to do his own podcast until he found out that uh, I own the trademark on Trump Podcasts. NBY, right? I don't know what that... Not born yesterday. So, it's not as easy to uh, deplatform Donald J. Trump as some people in Silicon Valley might think. We've already got our first sponsor for the podcast, which is like maybe the fastest sponsorship deal ever. That's got to teach the fake news a little lesson about the continued popularity of Make America Great Again. That's the name of the sponsor, too, isn't it? Maga Mattress? You can't see her, but she looks even hotter off camera. <laughs> That's right, honey. The Maga Mattress. We've been sleeping on it for the past couple months. If it isn't the best mattress I've ever slept on, I wouldn't let them sponsor me. Of course, who knows more about mattresses than Mike Lindell, the My Pillow guy, right? If he doesn't have a PhD in comfort in bed... Nobody does. And if you can get a good night's sleep during this latest part of the biggest witch hunt since the invention of witches... Right, right. So Shifty Adam Schiff, he crawls out from his rock to act like it's no big deal to leak the most important national security secret since the Israeli H-bomb, which not even I'm supposed to know about. And it's not like Jack Kennedy didn't have his brother as attorney general to protect him either, right? By the way, I think in all the photographs... The Secret Service shared with me from January 6th. 
It sure looked like more than a few patriots brought a MAGA mattress with them in case, you know, they had to spend the night inside the Capitol, which... And, and, and you said at the time you thought the Capitol Police who confiscated them probably never had a better night's sleep. And it's such a joke that Shifty Schiff is on the Intelligence Committee. Because any shrink will tell you that's... What he lacks is intelligence. See, that joke lands harder if you're right up close to the mic. I'm fine. And the fake news is acting as if a 17-year-old has never been used as a cutout in any kind of crime, whether it's a drug deal or national security or even just a mattress theft. I mean, who wouldn't want a MAGA mattress? If I could tell you the names of the major celebrities who swear by it, I wouldn't have to. That would be a secret worth stealing, wouldn't it, honey? I guess we should ask Adam Schiff. <laughs> and while we're at it, since when does a gag order expire? That's like a pardon that runs out and then and then they come and get, uh, say, Roger Stone and take him to jail again. Makes no sense at all, except maybe to uh, Sleepy Joe. You see him over in Europe with all those leaders who are so glad to see him because now they don't have to spend the 2% on NATO anymore? Half the British Army is there just to make sure he stays awake. That's one guy who doesn't need a MAGA mattress to have the best sleep of his life. His whole life is the best sleep of his life, right? And the great thing about a podcast, unlike a blog, you don't have to sit down and write it. On the toilet. Yeah, right. Great joke. Are they still putting out Serbian Vogue? <laughs> but you just sit down in front of a mic, and next thing you know, you're out of time. Next show, we'll have a special guest, Jason Miller, best consultant any president ever had. And Melania is going to talk with the designer of the gown she's wearing to the reinstatement, right, honey? I'm fine over here. Till then, it's your favorite president saying so long from a house Mr. Jeff Bezos only wishes he could be so lucky to live in. It was uh, almost the end of the year when nine lawyers allied with Donald Trump were ordered by a judge to pay Detroit and Michigan, the state and the city, a total of $175,000 in sanctions for abusing the court system with a sham lawsuit challenging the 2020 election results. This would be uh, the, the gentleman named Lynn and the woman named Sidney among the lawyers sanctioned by this. Lynn Wood says he wasn't even involved in the lawsuit, although his name was on it. And uh, Sidney Powell was indeed one of those who filed the uh, original action. The judge in the case said, there are consequences to filing meritless lawsuits to grab media attention and mislead Americans. Actually, that was the uh, Michigan chief election official. He uh, added, the sanctions awarded in this case are a testament to that, even if the dollar amounts pale in comparison to the damage that's already been done to our nation's democracy. The um, judge said that the plaintiff's attorneys, the nine attorneys in the case, many of whom seek donations from the public to fund lawsuits like this one, have the ability to pay this sanction. That's the uh, judge's word. She previously ordered each of the lawyers to undergo 12 hours of legal education, including six hours in election law. One lawyer who has been close to uh, pres former President Trump during all this, 
escaped unscathed from this action. But he's still around. Regular lawyers said I didn't have a case when my car plowed into a city garbage truck. But uh, Rudy got me a new car and an apology letter, too. Who does that? Rudy do. My husband's divorce lawyer was much smarter than mine. But Rudy knew how to put the fear of the Lord into my husband's attorney big time. Rudy do. Hi, I'm Rudy. You know, lawyers are great. I was one myself. But sometimes you just need something else. Something more. Something that other lawyers fear. You need me. Giuliani and Giuliani is the firm to call when normal lawyers just can't get it done. Rudy's been there when the big deals go down, and he can make them go down for you. All the way down. With years of experience as the fixer's fixer, Rudy's the guy the big shots call when just a lawyer isn't enough. Just a lawyer can't threaten a judge, but Rudy do. Just a lawyer can't silence opposition witnesses, but Rudy do. Just a lawyer can't break the rules, but rules are made to be broken. And Rudy do. Giuliani and Giuliani offers you double protection. Rudy's son, Andrew, is still a practicing lawyer. So when it comes to filing motions or other important documents, practice makes perfect. But when just a lawyer is not enough, Rudy knows how the big guys get persuaded. And it's not with briefs. So when you've got a case regular non-disbarred lawyers say isn't a case, call 1-800-RUDY, D-O-O. The extra O is for extra ouch. Nobody else would say that in a commercial, but Rudy do. Giuliani and Giuliani is not licensed to practice law, and that's the way we like it. January 6th became a, um, a, a, a day of infamy or fame, depending on um, how you view it. A day of uh, scrutiny for a select House committee that is still investigating what led up to the invasion of the Capitol on January 6th. But another day poked through as uh, a date of significance in the ongoing saga of the former president, the former guy. It was uh, sometime in mid-August when, according to his acolytes, Donald J. Trump was going to retake the presidency by uh, means unknown or at least undisclosed. This week, for the first time, planning starts for the re-presidency. And for the businessman turned former chief executive, the planning, like everything else, starts at home, or at least at the New Jersey Country Club. Melania. The greens are looking very well-groomed. What can I do? Otherwise, the members complain. I was being complimentary. Yeah, Weiselberger was bitching about it. <laughs> you look dynamite. Dynamite is good. So look, I need your help. <laughs> what else is new? This is for real. We're just about almost less than a month away. Sorry, darling. I really haven't been paying attention. A month away from what? Jesus, Melania. Sometimes I really do think you really don't care. A month away from my reinstatement. We're back in the White House. <laughs> Darling, you're not serious. I'm more serious than a heart attack. And nobody around here seems to get it. 
Well, it's a golf course. They'd... Not those people, my people. Hmm. Jason is screwing around with a new social network like that's a thing. Ivanka and Jared, thank God, are out of here trying to pretend they never were here. So, I need you. How can I possibly help you with something that isn't really going to... Darling, and I mean that very strongly. <laughs> My reinstatement isn't going to re-inaugurate itself. And you're so great at planning this party crap. Donald, I can't possibly plan a re-inauguration. I wouldn't know where to start. Start with the last one. There's got to be an invite list and a catering plan. Somebody's got to order the ferns. Me, I'm busy with these stupid book interviews with these low-life authors. Also, I'm writing the fundraising letter for the event. Nobody else seems to hit the right tone. Yes, and I've got my hands full of trying to find a summer camp for Baron that doesn't have a mask mandate. He really is becoming his father's son. Somebody's got to book the military bands. They're great, and they can't turn you down. It's the law or something. We should talk about guest speakers. Matt Gates wants to go last. This is your task for this week. Honey, I did tell you I'm doing my You Do You self-empowerment seminars this month. It's crucial to my getting my life coach license. Melania, this is your task. To put it in words of one syllable, I'm not asking. I'm telling. So... Can you do it? As long as it helps your reinstatement, I have to say yes. Don't I? My re-answer would be... Absolutely. Mr. Still President, I brought you some of my new slippers. Your feet have never been more comfortable. Or your money back. But because you're not paying, the refund doesn't really apply. Mike... Never have I needed a my pillow guy more. Oh, that's God's way, sir. Plus, now with a free bath mat. What else do you need? I just think to be classy. A reinauguration needs a a whole new level of comfort, and that's what I thought of you. <laughs> also, you were at my rally last night. Yeah, I sure was. Sold a ton of gift cards. What a blessing! Sounds like what you need for your ceremony is about five hundred my comfy butt folding chairs. See. That's why I turn to you. You always seem to know what I need before I know it, although to tell you the truth, the White House does does have a hell of a lot of chairs. Better to be on the safe side, sir. These monsters would think nothing of locking the storage facility, if not blowing it up. And then, and then where are you? With distinguished guests standing up? That's just a gift to the fake news. It's a war, isn't it, Mike? Yes, sir. I'm afraid I have to be the one that's uh, delighted to tell you that it is. Speaking of which, where are the boys? We could uh, use them in this fight. The very least, to uh, truck in the chairs. Bad coordination. The re-inauguration committee scheduled the same week they're on their annual trip to Africa. They can't cancel one year? I mean, this is so important to the future of this country. Uh, apparently, they got a list a mile long of people who prepaid for elephant tails. You know, I'm starting to wonder for the first time if I'm really their father. My pillow god, why? They're insisting they can't disappoint their customers. <laughs> so, Mike, these really are comfortable chairs. This thing might last a couple of hours. You know, Marjorie Taylor Greene alone talks a blue freaking streak, and the people won't want to get up and leave at the end. That's how comfortable. Mike, I never use this word. 
but that sounds dynamite. New team, new tasks, same mission. We're going to make being president great again. Now, the golf course is his boardroom. The Mar Apprentice, the Bedminster days. More balls, more holes. A software upgrade is going to disable a feature on Tesla cars. That feature allowed the touchscreen to play video games even while the vehicles were in motion. This comes after the USA's National Highway Traffic Safety Administration investigated a complaint about the technology. The feature called Passenger Play has been available well since last year in uh, Tesla models. It was aimed at passengers, supposedly. Prior to 2020, occupants of the car could only play games while the vehicle w was in park or in a park. Following the opening of a preliminary investigation and evaluation of Tesla's passenger play, Tesla informed the agency that it is changing the functionality of this feature. In a new software update, passenger play will now be locked and unusable when the vehicle is in motion. That's a statement from the Highway Traffic Safety Administration. The NHTSA, it says about itself, constantly assesses how manufacturers identify and safeguard against distraction hazards that may arise due to faults, misuse, or intended use of convenience technologies, including infotainment screens, unquote, a government agency. The investigation, which was opened recently centers around the claim that having a game play function on the front center touchscreen while the car is in motion, quote, may distract the driver and increase the risk of a crash, unquote. Just might. The complaint that sparked the investigation was filed in November from Lake Oswego, Oregon. And, uh, poses the question, why is a manufacturer allowed to create an inherently distracting live video which takes over two-thirds of the screen which the driver relies on for all vehicle information? A month after the complaint was filed, the New York Times reported on the potential safety risks associated with the video games feature. Individuals have expressed criticism over NHTSA's failure to act prior to the Times article, while a desire to entertain passengers, particularly on long journeys, is understandable, according to the Register, the tech journal from the UK, the potential for dangerous destruction is obvious. According to the Kaiser, no, not the Kaiser Foundation, the Kiefer Foundation, distracted driving accounts for 10 deaths in the U.S. every day and 1 in 11 fatal car crashes. According to the NHTSA, 3,100 people in the U.S. were killed a couple of years ago by distracted driving. This is not the first time Tesla has had to deal with accusations of enabling distracted driving. In February, the National Transportation Safety Board concluded that the deadly crash of an Apple engineer's Tesla was due to overly trusting the car's autopilot software 
while the driver was engaged in a cell phone game, presumably. Tesla CEO Elon Musk has received ample criticism in the past for overstating autopilot technology in Tesla vehicles. He has faced lawsuits claiming systemic fraud based on accidents allegedly related to the company's marketing claims about the technology. So now, your choice as a Tesla driver is drive or play games, unless you're going to Mars. 2021, the year in rebuke. From Afghanistan Public Radio, where the wine club is closing, we're drinking what's left. From the abandoned American television truck in downtown Kabul, being disassembled as we speak, I'm Mahmoud. And I'm Hamid. We're scream and scram. They're getting the heck out of here, <laughs> brothers. Welcome to a very late stage edition of Cars I Talk. Today's program comes to you with the assistance of the Taliban Foundation, where the future is today. Welcoming our new sponsor. Mm-hmm. And well, my younger brother, it's truly weak to ponder the pace of change. Hmm? Ah, true words have never been read off a script by my younger brother. <laughs> <laughs> I'll say this. With the Taliban taking one provincial capital after another, mm-hmm. there has never been a better week to be a seller of Toyota off-road vehicles. <laughs> <laughs> Good week to be a buyer, too. Mm-hmm. Any Tundra you don't sell in the next two weeks is going to end up as a Taliban tank. <laughs> <laughs> I should say my brother and I have to apologize for any noise in the back Background on today's program. Yes, they're stripping our studio for parts. And, uh, yes, it's a good idea not to ask who they are. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, you're on Kazai Talk. Hello, this is Ashraf, a long-time president of Afghanistan. I think I've called before. Uh, my files have been biked away. So... Ashraf, President Khani, of course we know who you are. As my younger brother used to describe you, sir, you're the one who still believes believe the surge didn't refer to COVID. <laughs> well, I, I wish I had the luxury at this moment of fake laughter, but uh, given our background of mutual acrimony, I, uh, I wouldn't be calling if this weren't an existential emergency. Well, uh, my esteemed successor, uh, our airwaves are yours for as long as they're ours. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I must admit I don't uh, listen every day. Join the club. Or really any day. Join Join the the club. club. (laughs) (laughs) But I'm sure you've long since made plans for, shall we say, strategic relocation if and when the uh, time uh, came or comes. Uh, Well, let me say on behalf of my brother that as soon as he got out of government, he was once again able to make long-range plans. (laughs) (laughs) Well, easier for you, Hamid, than for me uh, to leave. I mean, I'm just wondering if uh, there might be a shipping container uh, you've got in your plans that might uh, submit itself to the installation of uh, some air holes. I know Mahmoud has some tools. Well, a couple of my international customers every once in a while needs a 
Toyota to do a cockback thing, sure. Well, as long as I know that option is available, I can start having my staff uh, shopping for very portable food. Sure, N- no need to hash this all out where... Anybody could hear it. And nobody does. <laughs> <laughs> you, you never know. This could end up in a time capsule. Mm-hmm. It's best chance at an audience is if Elon Musk blasts it to Mars. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. President, good luck. Thanks for the call. Mm. He sounded just a bit terrified. Mm-hmm. I haven't heard him so frightened since Dick Cheney invited him to go hunting. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, you're on Cars I Talk. Hello, this is Margo at the Taliban Central. This is a special VIP advisory that your location is targeted for attack next Thursday, August 12th, sometime between 8 a.m. and 5 p.m. Uh, your local cable provider can give you less specific details. I cannot take your feedback. I'm late for my burqa fitting. Goodbye. Mm. Well, you can't say the Americans didn't influence our culture in the two decades they were here. (laughs) 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 Hello, you're on Cars I Talk. Hey, Ham Heed. It's uh, George W. calling you from the ranch. Long-time ex-president, second-time caller. That's that's for memory. All the files are locked up for 50 years. That was Cheney's idea. Uh, Mr. President, this is Mahmoud. Thank you for calling, sir. That's it? I just... Sir, it's Hamid. Please go on. Well, thanks to someone. <laughs> Look, I got to say, nobody feels worse than I do about how all this worked out. Uh, we got attacked by the evildoers. Mm-hmm. We had to strike back, or everybody in the world would think that uh, they could just knock down our big buildings and that, uh, pardon the expression, mm-hmm. that blows a big hole in the old economy. So, Sir, this is uh, Mahmoud again. Hey, Laura says hi. <laughs> Sir, I think what rankles us a little bit on this side of the Hindu Kush is that uh, after just two years of our war, you pulled out a lot of troops and resources out of here to uh, go do another war. Hey, good point, Mama Duda. Uh, but uh, we were just uh, so impressed with how much good progress you people were making. We thought, okay, onward, next. <laughs> Nobody said it was going to be a quagmire or, or even said what that was. I mean, nobody in their right mind's eye saw this as a 20-year kind of deal, but, I mean, a uh, heck of a lot of American money flowed your way. Guys must, guys must be doing okay, right? Sir, we are seriously discussing leaving our homeland in the very near future. Well, sure, they tell me you can get so much more house for the buck in Tajikistan. <laughs> but look, anyway, fellas, especially you, Hamdeed, I just want you to know how sorry I am about how it all turned out, so... I'm sending you a little something as soon as you have a new address. You let me know, we'll uh, we'll slap in the good old U.S. mail. Or if there's Afghan mail. Uh, uh, sir, if I may ask, uh-huh. what is this gift? <laughs> I, I did a painting of your brother, the former president, mm. in the tub. That's kind of my thing now. The critics say I'm in my tub period. <laughs> well, I, I very much look forward forward to it, sir, and I, I shall hang it above my actual tub. <laughs> but uh, now I'm sorry. Uh, to you, we're out of time. Okay, well, Laura still says hello. And my brother says thanks for the call. We had help today from Taliban moving in storage. More moving, less storage. Legal services for Karzai Talk from the law firm of Ketchum and Newcomb. Thank you.
Just another 30 seconds. Looking forward to opening a liquor store in Huntington Beach, California. I'm Hamid. And I'm Mahmoud. Goodbye from Karzai Talk. This is APR, Afghanistan Public Radio. But while one game ended in Afghanistan, another game continued next door. Some games are simple. You win or you lose. One side or another. You just have to choose. But for Pakistan, it's a more complex clash. Played with arms and shelter and shrink-wrapped cash. or against us said the US but Pakistanis reinterpreted success playing both sides has an obvious spin whichever side loses you still win you don't need full credit don't get full blame when you're playing the double game. Help the eggs on even numbered days. The Talibs on their frequent stays. Money from this side, money to the other. Modest commission for helping your brother. Shrink wrapped cash. Neighborhood Everyone Expects A sensible Country To hedge its Respect Pakistan Knows the game's Highlight play An ally can Leave But a neighbor Must if you stare at the picture, you might miss the frame. Pakistan's playing the double game. The double game. Just like the Saudis, without 9-11 shame. Pakistan's playing the Double game, double game. Here's something you don't hear every day. Dateline Tirana, Albania. 
Albania's prime minister this week apologized for a big leak of personal records from a government database of state and private employees. He said it seems more like an inside job than a cyber attack. Well, does Albania have any outside enemies? I'm sure it does. A file containing the personal identity card numbers, employment, and salary data of some 637,000 people became public this week, widely shared through messaging apps. They have those. Prime Minister Eddie Rama said the leak is being investigated. Looks more like an internal infiltration than an outside cyber attack, he told the press conference. I have an idea this was done to create confusion and animosity between the people and the government, he said. There was another leak of identity card records ahead of Albania's parliamentary elections last April. That's the way they fight there. Bette Midler has apologized to West Virginians. She had sent a tweet regarding Senator Joe Manchin expressing her frustration with him. He represents West Virginia. She was frustrated when he announced he would not support President Joe Biden's Build Back Better Act. Midler originally tweeted, quote, What Joe Manchin, who represents a a population smaller than Brooklyn, has done to the rest of America, who wants to move forward, not backward, like his state, is horrible. He sold us out. He wants us all to be just like his state, West Virginia. Poor, illiterate, and strung out, unquote. There was swift backlash. Midler later tweeted an apology. Quote, I apologize to the good people of West Virginia for my last outburst. I'm just seeing red. No comment from the Skelton family. Intel has apologized to China for warning its suppliers not to use labor or source goods from China's Xinjiang region. China is credibly accused, according to the Register, of conducting genocide in Xinjiang. That's a region whose inhabitants are mostly Uyghur people and practice Islam. Amnesty International assesses the situation in that province this way. Muslim ethnic minorities facing systematic state-organized mass imprisonment, torture, and persecution amounting to crimes against humanity, unquote. The U.S. government takes a dim view of organizations that do business in Xinjiang because it's felt some companies use forced labor performed by Uyghurs held in internment camps. In its annual letter to suppliers, Intel said, quote, Our investors and customers have inquired whether Intel purchases goods or services from the Xinjiang region of China. Multiple governments have imposed restrictions on products sourced from the region. Therefore, Intel is required to ensure our supply chain does not use any labor or source goods or services from Xinjiang. End quote. That letter, or that section of the letter has gone viral in China over the last few days. China's government justifies that stuff in Xinjiang as necessary to prevent terrorism. There's a Chinese pop star, Wang Junkai. He's a member of a band that has topped China's pop charts and has gotten hundreds of millions in product endorsements. Intel has hired Wang Junkai as brand ambassador, but the star this week posted on the microblogging service Weibo 
that he and his management tried to have Intel clarify its position on Xinjiang but heard nothing back, citing the primacy of national interests over commerce. The star terminated his relationship with Intel. That action appears to have moved the chip maker now to pose a statement in which it expresses deep regret, apology, that the supplier letter has been considered an actual expression of Intel's opinion. Quote, to clarify the paragraph about Xinjiang in the letter is only for expressing the original intention of compliance and legality, not its intention or position. That's a machine-translated version of the letter in Chinese. It's, Intel is not alone in having uh, received a backlash over its stance on Xinjiang. Nike, H&M, Zara, and other fashion retailers have been boycotted in China for their refusal to use cotton from the region on grounds it may have been harvested by forced labor. The Nebraska State Patrol apologized this week for sending a late-night emergency test alert to cell phones around Nebraska. Yes, there are. Waking people up after they'd gone to bed. The alert triggered a loud, jarring alarm on cell phones shortly after 11 at night on Tuesday, drawing complaints on social media. Too sleepy to be awakened, but never too sleepy to react on social media. The patrol said it was conducting a required monthly test of the state's emergency alert system, conducted usually on the third Tuesday of every month. They're only supposed to activate the system on broadcast media, going out to households with TVs that are on. The patrol said the state's wireless emergency alert system was inadvertently activated as well. Those are sent to cell phones used to disseminate amber alerts and other critical information. We apologize for any inconvenience or distress this error may have caused, the patrol said in a statement on Twitter. And finally, Russian billionaire Roman Abramovich has received an apology from a publisher over a defamatory allegation. Harper Collins, owned by Rupert Murdoch, Murdoch, published a book which included the claim that Abramovich bought the London football club Chelsea on the orders of Russia's President Putin. This week, the company, Harper Collins, owned by Rupert Murdoch, apologized to Abramovich, confirming it had reached a settlement. It amended the book, Putin's People, published last year, included in an allegation by another Russian billionaire that Abramovich, Abramovich was following orders in 2003 when he bought the club. In the statement, the publisher said the book, quote, contained some inaccurate information, unquote, about Abramovich. The new edition will include a more detailed explanation of his motivations for buying the club. Harper Collins and the author apologize that these aspects of the book were not as clear as they would have liked them to have been and are happy to have now clarified the text. If you can make Harper Collins happy, ladies and gentlemen, it is indeed a wonderful world. The Apologies of the Week, the copyrighted feature of this broadcast. 2021. The Year in Rebuke. A country with a growing population also has a growing national debt. And it's a law, it's not in the Constitution, that the Congress has to uh, raise a legislatively imposed limit on the amount that the debt can reach. And that happens every few years. And every few years there's a sort of kabuki about whether the Congress is actually going to do that. Uh, Senate 
Minority Leader Mitch McConnell was making such noises in October when uh, the legislature was all tangled up with other stuff, build back better, worse, or not just the same. Um, And then suddenly McConnell decided he was not going to oppose a rise in the debt limit. And he had a visitor. Thanks for making some time for me, Mr. Minority Leader. Well, Senator Graham, I've always got time for such an accomplished senior member of the Republican caucus. Well, I appreciate that, Mr. Leader. Although your secretary said you couldn't be... I've always found that uh, looking to the future is more productive than looking backward. I venture to guess that you've come to a similar conclusion. Ice club soda. Thanks. I'm I'm off the bubbles for now. Bubbles can't hurt you. Mr. Leader, in actual fact, uh, I do want to look backward just a wee little bit. A lot of folks on our side of the aisle are of the opinion that you may well have caved on the issue of the debt limit. And in all honesty, I have to tell you that uh, I'm one of those people. Mm -hmm. Those bubbles may be hurting you just sitting there in the glass. (laughs) Seriously, Mr. Senator, we had the Democrats all convinced the worst was going to happen, and then we discombobulated them by what the basketball players in my neck of the woods call pulling the chair. Mm -hmm. Well, Mr. Leader, I appreciate that. I may not be as familiar with basketball strategy as your run-of-the-mill gent, but it sure looked to... uh, a lot of the folks I speak with is just a complete flip-flop, which last time I looked included both a flip and uh, the requisite follow-up flop. You know, this might possibly be my imagination, but it does sound to me like there's some ventriloquism originating from the most recent former occupant of the White House. That couldn't possibly be true, though, could it? Mr. Leader, I've noticed that there there are some people in our party who don't happen to appreciate that uh, we have a leader and that he often has a seat-of-the-pants ability to get to the bottom of things. And it might just not be in the interest of our party to indulge in fits of pique with that leader, mm-hmm. especially when he's so darn much fun on the golf course. I have to admit, uh, Lindsay, I'm having a little bit of trouble understanding why we're having this conversation just now. Would would the senator from South Carolina seriously like me to go out and rescind my goodwill gesture, which showed up the Democratic catastrophizing for the pathetic political theater that it was? Wouldn't that just be the kind of flip-flop he denounces. <laughs> well, Mr. Leader, can I can I help focus your attention on the fact that uh, we've delayed the vote on the debt limit until the middle of the Christmas holiday season when almost no one will be giving a scintilla of a damn about what we're doing? How do we benefit from that timing? Some would say that a 
time of less attention bandwidth might well be a much better time to fold our tent and put our principled objection out of its misery. Maybe our ventriloquist friend doesn't grasp that concept, given that he was never the most strategic thinker in the whole kindergarten. And I think you'd agree that I've just about exhausted my available time for amiable chit-chat. Oh, well, I thank the minority leader for pointing that out, and I'll be sure to share it with my golfing buddy next time we hit the links. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm sure my distinguished member can find his own way out. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so can I, sir. Toward the end of the year, we learned a new detail about the run-up to January 6th when Donald Trump had wanted to prevent the Congress from certifying Joe Biden as the legally elected next president of the United States. He had asked Vice President Mike Pence, in no uncertain terms, to, um, as in his role as um, president of the Senate, stop the certification process, and Mike Pence had, after some consideration, including consulting Dan Quayle, decided he couldn't do that, at which point we learned, as I say, late this year, that uh, Donald Trump had said to Pence, I don't want to be your friend anymore. chose you for my running mate I gave you such a gift we were in like perfect sync until one day I sent a shift the very time I need you most is when I know I'm stiffed I don't want to be your friend anymore I don't want to be your friend anymore. I get you into Mar-a-Lago at half the normal rate. Introduce you to my big time friends Tell them that you're great Then I need one solid Not only am I not first class But I'm freight I don't want to be your friend anymore I don't want to be your friend anymore I don't want to be your friend anymore Friendship is more special than the biggest precious jewel. It's a presidential suite with an infinity pool. It's the best. It's the greatest. It's really cool. It's like the hugest super yacht on the deep blue sea. That's what friendship means to me me 
If I saw you lying in the street, I'd call 9-1-1-1. If I saw you with a naked frankfurter, I'd go get you a bun. You saw them rob me blind. You threw away your gun. I don't want to be a friend anymore. Don't try to call me. I'll throw the phone on the floor. I don't want to be your friend anymore. I don't want to be your friend anymore. Just keeps going when you're the 
Ladies and gentlemen, that's going to conclude this final year in rebuke edition of the show. Back next week with an extremely fresh new last show of the year. Same time on these radio stations and uh, on your audio device of choice whenever you want it. And it would be just like having the best New Year's Eve ever. What? If you'd agree to join me then, would you? Already, thank you very much. Uh-huh. A tip of the show chapeau to the San Diego desk, to Pam Halstead, to Jenny Lawson at WWNO New Orleans, and to all the other folks who help get this show on the air every week, like Garrett and Thomas. And thank you for listening. The email address for this program, a chance to get Cars I Talk t-shirts for the new year and the playlist of the music you hear here all at harryshearer.com and I'm on Twitter at the Harry Shearer. The show comes to you from Century Progress Productions and originates through the facilities of WWNO New Orleans, flagship station of the Change is Easy Radio Network. So long from the Crescent City, and Happy New Year.